Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey and you are listening to some pre-recorded sermons that were delivered on Wednesday nights at Kirkland Life Church. And this is the next one in the series. And uh, the title is God Pardons Known Sinners. And I pray that this speaks to your heart. Thank you, Thank you tonight for calling us out of darkness and into your glorious light. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you've lavished on our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to forgive others. God, I pray that we would continue to bring our sins before you because there's such a gift at the foot of the cross. God, I pray that we would find ourselves there, confessing our sins to be made whole by you. Lord, I pray that tonight you would illuminate our hearts. God, we only know so much. Your word is so rich and so much. God, it's more than we can comprehend. So Lord, tonight I pray that you would open up our understanding to know your word. God, give us wisdom as we pour over scripture. Move in our hearts tonight, God. We thank you that you're here wanting to speak with us, your children. Move in this house tonight, God, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is good to be together. It, it's amazing to think that we're going to be singing for a lot of years to come, right? In good times, we're going to sing to the Lord. In bad times, we sing to the Lord. And just the act of singing is incredible. It's this place of trust. You know, you don't sing when you, you have nothing to trust. We're singing because we know that God is good and we know that God's with us every season. And it's, it's beautiful. So... Tonight, we are going to dive into the topic of God pardons known sinners. And this is a sermon that has been preached a million times over, but every time it's fresh. God pardons people. People, not just the innocent people. If he pardoned innocent people, we would say things like, oh yeah, well that's kind, oh that, that makes sense. It's good that they're finally free. They've done enough good to deserve being pardoned, being free. And when we think those good thoughts is because the good always outweighs the, the, the bad. But you see, God pardons people who don't deserve it. Our God, the one that we've pledged our lives to, the God that we serve, pardons known sinners. He pardons people who should owe their life in retribution for what they've done. He takes away the sentence. And it's not because of their good behavior that he's letting them off early. It's not like you did something bad back here in your life and you've done so much good that now we'll forgive what you've done. It's at that moment of asking God for forgiveness that he forgives us completely and fully. Christians are the most forgiven people in the world. Let's look at two of those people who were forgiven in the Bible, two saints slash sinners. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew and Paul. When we think about Matthew, Matthew who wrote the book of Matthew, you think about what his life was like and how, how he spent his life before knowing Jesus. He was a tax collector, which means that he would go and charge people um, more than they actually owed, owed the Roman government, and he would take the difference and pocket it. So he was a cheat. He was someone who you didn't want to have to go and see. He wasn't on the up and up. Tax collectors were dirty. It's who they were. 
And Jesus came and he chose him. There were so many better people to choose. If we were to line him up, he would not even be in the top 10%. <laughs> Matthew was not a good guy. And Jesus chose him, ate with him, and called him and said, come follow me. You could put that verse up of, of Matthew's calling there in Matthew 9, 9. He owed, Matthew owed a higher amount than he could ever pay to his friends and the people that he walked with and talked with. And now he is one of Jesus's companions and Jesus gives him responsibility. Jesus sends him out and Matthew's able because of the anointing of God to heal people and deliver people and set people free. He doesn't deserve it. There were, there were the Jewish people, the Jewish of the Jewish people, the right people, the good people, but Jesus chooses Matthew. Tax collector turned gospel writer. We look at Paul. Think about Paul and all of his piety. He was thinking about how foolish these Christians were. He was a great Jewish man. And he decided he wanted to try to make things hard for these Christians because they were so foolish. They were so foolish to believe that the Messiah had come. And so not only was he trying to make life hard for them, he was convincing everybody else to treat them badly. And he thought he was doing such a good job lobbying people and working on things and laws and changing the rules to really punish them. And he was lobbying and working on the rules so far. He pushed the, the, the button so hard. He was pushing the hardest. He was the one leading the pack saying, all right, let's really, there's no, some people, the only way to get rid of their foolishness is to kill them. Let, and he convinces the, the leading government of the Jewish, of God's people, that he could go and kill Christians. And they said, go ahead. And as the Christians wept, he's killing their brothers and sisters. He's killing. He's going into towns, ripping them from their homes and killing them. And then God showed up. I think God could have chosen someone a little nicer. He could have chosen someone different. But God turns Paul from murderer to missionary. He takes uh, Matthew from tax collector to gospel writer and, writer and Paul from murderer to missionary. And you might be th sitting there thinking, oh, those are nice antidotes from years ago. Those are nice little stories. Has God changed? And will he do it again? Have people changed that we're now too evil that God's not going to do that anymore? It was just a thing for Paul because Paul was so special. No, God calls the bad ones. He calls the ones we wouldn't call. He calls the people we look at and we just want to stay away from because they're, ugh. But God calls people like the cheat. He calls people like the one lobbying on the wrong side of the aisle. And he calls them and he changes them. <sighs> if there was a list somewhere of all that God had forgiven, if this was on the internet and we were scrolling, could you imagine the list of things that if we were to list every sin that God's forgiven and it was like uh, Jill Pelkey this, Jill Pelkey that, Jill Pelkey this, and then all of our sins were listed. We would be scrolling for days. Of the, Think of all the sins that God has forgiven. This would make your stomach sick to read them. Could you imagine the list? It would either make your stomach sick or on the contrary, it would make your heart rejoice that there's a God in heaven that could forgive that much. That many things. 
Do you know how many murderers, how many affairs he's forgiven, how many robberies he's forgiven, bullying, prideful acts, drug uses, sexual misconduct, lies, lies that even ruined other people's lives, like bad ones? Can you imagine all the things that our God has forgiven? Oh, that list is long. I, I have a chapter in that book of all that God has forgiven me from, and he hasn't stopped forgiving me. And he won't stop forgiving me. I can't imagine that list. It can turn our stomachs or it can make us rejoice because we are counted among the forgiven. And what's our reaction when other people are forgiven? Is it that of Jonah? Remember Jonah, he was so mad to go. He didn't want to tell people about God's salvation because he knew if I tell that person, if I tell these people in Nineveh, Jonah then they're actually going to turn and repent and then God's going to bless them. And they're so bad and I don't want to tell them. Do we sit in that camp of uh, that person's so bad. If they become a Christian, I just don't even want to. It can make us rejoice and say, come join the party. Come join the, the group of all the redeemed. Or it can make us stand and say, Ooh, just stay away, you Matthew, you Paul. You're so bad. You're on the wrong side. You're just no good. We're going to look uh, at Luke chapter 6 for a little while here. And in Luke chapter 6, there's a big chunk here. Uh, you have your Bible, and you want to turn to Luke 6, 27. We're going to start there. Um, in this, Jesus was away seeking the Lord. He comes back and preaches this incredible sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says this as part of it. Verse 27 starts, it says, But to you who are listening... And that's us tonight. Are you listening tonight? If you're online, are you listening? Turn back to the computer. Get back. Are you listening? To those who are listening, I say, love your friends. Love your church friends. Love those nice people. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. There are people that hate us for being Christians. There are people who hate us for our personality flaws. There are people who hate us for all kinds of reasons. Do good to those people that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes something that you own that belongs to you, that's yours, your coat, don't withhold another thing from them. Give them your shirt also. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even Sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful. The ungrateful, the people that never said thank you. He's kind to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. When we think of what Jesus did for us on the cross, he was loving us. We were his enemies. We were taking things from him. We were doing things that weren't right. 
and he loved us. And to be children of God is to do the same for the Matthews and the Pauls before they become the gospel writer, before they become the missionary. It's to be kind to them. And then it goes on and it talks about not judging others. And then the next part talks about you're going to be known by your fruit. So it's beautiful how this builds on each other. Love your enemies. You're known by loving your enemies. God's, you're going to see the fruit if you can love your enemies. That's the fruit. And then the last part in this is talking about the wise and foolish builder, that the wise person builds their house on the precepts of God and not on the things of this world. And so love your enemies. Don't judge them. You're going to be known by that. We, we're not going to be known by our, our church attendance. We're not going to be known by uh, th other things. We're going to be known by our, our love for our enemies. We're going to be known for our love for those who don't love us back. I was out for a walk a couple days ago, and I walked by this house. Benny, do you have a picture of that house? And I noticed that the house was built um, in the 1800s. And I was thinking, like, wow, how long ago this house was built? Can you imagine what it was like for whoever it was standing there looking at the land and saying, we're going to build a house? This house has lasted 150 years. And I couldn't wrap my head around that 150 years and it was still there the things that we do for god last the things that we do for ourselves don't last this house lasting 150 years seems like a miracle but when we start to do things for god they last for generations forgiveness changes generations if we can forgive if we choose not to forgive, it can, it can turn the course of somebody else's life away from God. It can turn the course of our heart away from God. But if we can make this hard, supernatural, God-fearing choice to forgive, it can last 150 years. When you watch movies, and you, you, I always am trying to study humanity. When I watch movies, I'm thinking, okay, what does this talk about the human race? And so many times, it's the, the main characters lying about something. They're really the princess, but they don't tell everyone they're the princess. And, you know, they're, they're pretending to be something else. And you're always cheering and saying, just tell the truth. <laughs> and then you're all also just looking at the characters, almost every movie, of there's some form of unforgiveness between family or between people who, if they had just, you think of Home Alone and the, the old guy shoveling the snow, and he had this rift between him and his son, and they refused forgiveness, and they lost all, this, all those years until finally he decides to forgive. Forgiveness for, for that guy in Home Alone changes generations because you see him sitting there with his grandchildren, but the things that we hold back they're, they're going to be gone tomorrow, but forgiveness will change generations. Forgiveness is putting down uh, wise building blocks for the future. It's amazing how when trouble comes, and, and this refers to the, the wise and foolish builders. If you remember the, the parable here, Jesus is saying, if you don't build on God, it's like building a house on the sand. And when trouble comes, it washes away. The things that you do daily, seeking God, when nothing's going on, seeking God, getting to know God, listening to his voice, those simple things get you ready for the day when your response has to come like that. And what's out of, inside of you comes out. Just like we're, we're talking about the, the, by your fruit, you'll know you. It's what comes out of the abundance of your heart 
It speaks out. And the same thing with our daily routines with God, our daily routines to make the wise choices in the little areas, to make the wise choices of forgiveness now. Because we, we see when trouble comes, what's going to come out of those building blocks in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. It's talking about those who are mature in Christ. And I know that we all want to be mature in Christ. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. Think about that scrolling list of things that God has forgiven all of us would say enough by page 9,000, right? We'd be like, all right, enough humanity, I'm done with you. Some of us will say enough at the one time. Some of us will say enough at the fifth time. But what is this mature action that God's asking us to take to forgive just like Christ forgives us? Colossians 3.13 talks about how to live as a Christ follower. The simple truth of being a Christ follower says this, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is not excusing sin, but it's recognizing it for what it is and then releasing it and letting it go. And this can cost us something, can't it? It can cost us a lot. Imagine being cheated by Matthew and then seeing Jesus hang out with him. Mm -mm. I better tell Jesus how bad this guy is. Jesus not only ate with him, but he walked with him. He talked with him. He revealed his secrets to him, revealed the gospel to him. How utterly unfair. Jesus keeps doing that, doesn't he? He keeps picking out people that I deserve it more. And he keeps forgiving them. But he asks us to do the same thing, to pick out those people and forgive them. Imagine being a friend of someone killed by the horrific Paul, only to hear about others now adoring his great sermons. Get a little mad about that. Would you choose to remind people of his past sins when you hear about Paul going on another missionary journey? Wouldn't you love to nudge your neighbor and be like, yeah, but you remember who he is, don't you? We love to do that because it's our human nature to want to elevate ourselves. But Jesus continually says, humble yourselves. Stop looking and judging the person that God's calling out for this season. God calls certain people out for certain seasons and then tells them to sit back down because it's not about that person. It's about bringing glory to God. Christians are the most forgiving, forgiven people on the planet. When we start to look again at this great pardon, we see it in the lineage of Matthew. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 1, you start to see all the people who are in the line of Messiah, in the line of Jesus Christ himself, in the line of the King of Kings. And there's some names that will stick out at you, like Rahab the prostitute. Um, there's other people that deserve it more than her. <laughs> she was a prostitute. And God said, I've forgiven you. I've set you free. You are no longer called by that name. Instead, you are a grandmother of Jesus Christ. What? What? Does she deserve to be in there? Do I deserve to be in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do all the other people? But I have to look at them with the compassion that Jesus calls us to. 
Jesus tells me that if I confess my sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, that he won't remember my sin anymore, that it'll be as far away as the east is from the west, and it's true. Is it true also for the other guy? Is it true also for our neighbors, for the people around us? We need to pray that verse and chew on that verse and not make it true just for ourselves, but make it true for every other person. For that uncle we think will never come to Christ, for that friend who, whatever the situations are of people in our lives, God's in the business of saving known sinners, pardoning known bad guys, bad people, bad women. And he says, come back to me. If you confess your sins, he'll forgive them. Uh, there's an official governmental process of pardoning people, and they have these actual certificates that you can look at online with these seals um, from the president saying that you're pardoned. When you're pardoned, you can leave jail. And I'm sure those people that leave jail don't go out just quietly or don't ever choose to be like, you know, I'll stay in here. I'll finish my sentence anyway. No, they go out and tell everyone, I've been pardoned by the president. Something greater has happened in our lives. We've been pardoned by the king of kings. We need to go out telling people. There's a verse in, Benny, I think it's up there, Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces then finds mercy. And us too, if we uh, conceal our sins and we don't bring it to God, then how can we be pardoned? How can we be forgiven? How can we be released from the jail cell of guilt and shame? But when we bring it to God and we say, God, here's where I'm stumbling. Here's where I've fallen. Put my name on that 9,000 page list. Add this one too, because I want this one gone too. He's faithful to forgive us. But when we are pardoned, we have to tell other people, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was a sinner. We don't have to be ashamed of our sin anymore because we are forgiven. It's easy to forgive ourselves. It's hard to forgive other people. But God is the master of pardoning sinners. There's this virus of unforgiveness that we can catch. It's, it's just so much easier not to dig deep and to really think about the things that we, we don't want to forgive. But God asks us to go there. He asks us to go into those deep places and forgive people who have hurt us. When we meet people, we really need to look when we meet people that aren't Christians yet and say, how might God pardon this person? How might God use what seems so unforgivable, so bad, how might he use that to turn it around for his glory? How might God be glorified in that life? God puts people in our, in our path on purpose. It's no happenstance that we're placed in this Mohawk Valley. It's no happenstance that you live where you live and all of those things. And so when people are in your path, whether it be your neighbor, at the grocery store, at church, wherever, it's on purpose. And so we have to look at those people and say, they are a treasure. Each life is a treasure. And if God can forgive me, God can forgive this person. It's seemingly simpler with people we don't know than people we know. And the words, I forgive you, are costly words sometimes. But think about how costly those words were for Jesus. He didn't die on the cross 
with a list of names of people who weren't going to be forgiven. He said, everyone, anyone, the whole world, the bad guys, the good guys, the ones that would keep turning away. And we too, we can't vote anyone off the island. We can't pick the ones that aren't going to get the gospel. We give the gospel freely to everyone. We're all in it together as humanity. We think of Jesus on the cross who looks down at the people who literally were the ones that put the hammer to the nail in his wrist. And he said, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. And in our hearts, we have to live the same Christ-like example. God, forgive them. God, forgive them. That should be the utterance of our soul. That should be the fruit that comes out from spending day after day after day in the presence of God. That when someone insults us, when someone hurts us, when someone slaps us on one cheek, we can say, God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I look at where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem uh, soon before he's to be crucified. And if you remember the story, uh, Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and he begins to weep. He didn't just shed one little tear. Think about what it means to weep. And Jesus begins to weep. And he says the words, if only you had taken hold of the things that would bring you peace. Uh, Jesus Christ is here walking in flesh. If only you would have seen it. If only you would have taken the things that would bring you peace. Friends, tonight the thing that brings peace is forgiving other people. If only we as Christians would take hold of that. And I think that the Lord looks at us sometimes and just his heart is grieved thinking, if only you would walk in the way. If only you would listen to the words that I've given you. Forgive. It's going to make a better way. He was weeping over the people who uh, were going to reject him, but he was weeping over his own people. He was weeping over the Jewish people saying, if only you had gotten this. And I think that sometimes God looks at us the same way. If only we had gotten this idea of his forgiveness and the forgiveness we could have for other people. The compassion that he had for people. We have to keep asking God for compassion for others around us. If God forgives, I want to forgive even if my human nature says no. In Psalm 32, 5, it says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's beautiful for us, and it's beautiful for everyone else, too. I am among the forgiven. And we want to say to everybody else, come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's going to pardon sinners like me and like anyone else who's in our path. John, if you want to come for the ending song. God pardons known sinners. God takes sinners and makes them saints. He takes tax collectors and makes them gospel writers. He takes murderers and makes them missionaries. And he takes me and he takes you and he takes each and every person. He says, my forgiveness is offered free. Will you take it? And now we're supposed to be his hands and feet extended. We're supposed to be offering the gospel to everyone and anyone who we meet. I want to challenge you tonight to have compassion, to see and care for people that God places in our life every day. Each person is a treasure. And we want God to help us to notice that and believe that, that God came to seek and save the lost. Not the good guys, not the ones who deserved it, not the ones that could uh, pay it back. This isn't a get out of jail free card that your mom comes and pays for or somebody else does on your behalf. It's for every single individual person. And if God came to seek and save the lost, help me to do the same. 
Let's pray, and then let's challenge our hearts. As we sing this last song uh, together, let's, let's really ask the Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive? And is there anyone I'm looking at, looking down my nose at and judging and saying, they're, they're no, no, <laughs> no. Let's pray that God would give us compassion for all humanity, not just the ones we like, not just the easy people, but our enemies, the ones who hurt us, who sit on the other side of things. Help us to love them. Let's pray. God, this is an impossible commission to go and to seek and save the lost, to love our enemies, to, to bless those that curse us, to pray for those who have really hurt us. God, only by your spirit is this possible. And God, I thank you for the beautiful, perfect example of you doing this as you walked earth, but God, ultimately doing this as you laid down your very life, it costs you something. God, your example is perfect. I pray that you would help us, God, to live like you lived, to love and have compassion like you had compassion. Help us to have a deeper compassion for the lost. God, I pray that we would mutter under our breath every day, Father, forgive them. Let that be our mantra, that we wouldn't hold on to uh, disagreements and hurt and strife, but we would forgive like you've forgiven us. Lord, I thank you that you've taken that million-page document of all of our sins of all time, and you've, you've burned them up. They're no longer visible. They're not recorded anywhere. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. Help us now to forgive others the way you've forgiven us. Thank you.